How much do we know about the Cold War? We'll find that actually the Cold War wasn't so cold. There was a real conflict. Do we have the full picture? It's often from the North's perspective. We want to get the story right. We've just got to include the Global South. Global South or the Third World. This is the secret struggle for Cold War dominance. A podcast that brings stories. He was a man without a country. Facts. Czechoslovakia provided Cuban intelligence. And historical background. These were places where stakes were too high. Of the secret and untold Cold War. Hello? Episode 4. Best friends for a short time. Welcome to The Secret Struggle for Cold War Dominance, a podcast that looks behind the scenes of the Cold War to bring you stories and perspectives that have been kept secret until now. In the past episodes, we talked about a super busy spy who worked for multiple agencies. We looked at researching the Cold War and why Eastern Bloc archives provide so much more secret material than many Western countries, including the US and the UK. And we also listened to signals and discussed the massive power of this weapon, used during the Cold War era, as well as today. All of the episodes so far have been very different from one another, and we hope to continue with this. In today's episode, we'll concentrate on a very short time period, on very unlikely allies, and on this specific example, we'll show that during the Cold War, there was fighting and competition, not only between the East and the West, but also among so-called friends. So, after a short academic break, let's travel. And yes, let's travel to Cuba. To the year 1959, when Fidel Castro assumed power in the country. It was after a years-long revolution against President Batista, who was known for his dictatorial style of leadership, very anti-communist in his views, close ties to the US, and a bad record of corruption and managing the country. In fact, the Cuban economy was doing poorly. Unemployment was high and running drinking water was a scarcity. And so in 1959, after about six years of various paramilitary operations, all aimed at deposing President Batista, in walk Fidel and Raul Castro with their movement, finally managing to seize power on the island and soon placing Cuba on the opposite side of the Cold War battlefield making the USA their enemy number one. Huge changes for the Cuban people and changes also happening to the relationships of Havana with small nations. Like the former Czechoslovakia, a small communist Eastern Bloc country under the influence of the Soviet Union, located in the heart of Europe, as we like to say. Czechoslovakia, as the other Eastern European countries, frozen their relations with Cuba uh, during the previous Batista's regime. And uh, when Fidel Castro took power in 1959, Czechoslovakia, as the other Eastern Bloc countries, including the Soviet Union, uh, opened their embassies in Cuba and normalized relations with this uh, new regime. However, the friendship started off very slowly. 
Czechoslovaks were testing out the turf, not 100% sure what Havana's stance to the Eastern Bloc would be. And then a year later, in 1960, things changed. Very fast. New BFFs were made, fierce competition started, orders were ignored, and old friendships were threatened. Who were Africanos, and why did they not like the Africanitos making new friends in Latin America? We can interpret it as Soviet children, or at least uh, as a Soviet little buddies. How small do you have to be to go unnoticed by the CIA? It seemed that they didn't have a clue. Was disobedience lethal in the Eastern Bloc? A few months later, he was jailed and sentenced for 20 years in prison. And what happens when your intelligence agency doesn't have the intelligence you need? Czechoslovakia didn't have this information about this uh, Bay of Big Invasion. All this is coming up in episode 4. Welcome to the Secret Struggle for Cold War Dominance podcast. My name is Katarina Urban-Richterova and I'm super excited for this episode as it will include also my mother country. Hello. The former Czechoslovakia. I cannot see you. <laughs> Helping me understand not only the obvious relationships of the Cold War between the East and the West, but also the undoubted alliances and relationships between friends at that time is Dr. Jan Kora assistant professor at the World History Department at Charles University in Prague. My research interest uh, focuses on Cold War history and uh, the Czechoslovak activities uh, in the global thought uh, during the Cold War. I caught up with him during the first weeks of the coronavirus pandemic in Europe in April of 2020. So we are in the lockdown already one month. Jan was sitting at home in Prague, the capital of the Czech Republic. When the universities and the school in the Czech Republic will be open again. And I was sheltering in place in Bratislava, the capital of Slovakia. And today, we'll be talking about the former Czechoslovakia, a state that in the second part of the 20th century was composed of our two countries. It took quite a long time because um, these intelligence documents were... Analyzing thousands of formerly secret documents, Jan has been researching the relationship of Czechoslovakia and Cuba with his colleague Robert Anthony Waters of the Ohio Northern University. And they have some unique and new information to share. Okay, so let's go back to that year 1960. It's a year since Fidel Castro took over the leadership in Cuba. All communist countries are now installed in Havana and are in a polite but a wait-and-see mode. Until... Well, until a very random and until now overlooked visit that launched a friendship. July 1960, the Cuban delegation, including Raul Castro and the Ministry of Interior, Valdez, they visited Prague, uh, Czechoslovakia. And this visit uh, was very important for our story. So Cubans visited Czechoslovakia on the way to Moscow, to the Soviet Union. So they stayed in Czechoslovakia for a few days and they went to Moscow and returned to Czechoslovakia. And the historian thought that this visit of Czechoslovakia was not very important. Uh, but we found out that it was made maybe at least the same important as the negotiations in uh, the Soviet Union in Moscow. 
It was a small stopover in Prague, on the way to Moscow, where big meetings and discussions were supposed to be held. Everyone thought it was a two-day trip to see the beauties of Prague and taste its beer. However, the Cubans had no time to play around. They knew what they needed. The Cubans asked Czechoslovaks for help to build their security uh, apparatus and organize their uh, Ministry of Interior. And the Czechoslovak AS agreed and enthusiastically offered the, the Cubans their help, including the exchange of intelligence reports, but also the training of uh, intelligence staff, uh, providing some spyware and uh, other materials that were important for intelligence or counterintelligence work. Super important for Cuba, of course. The changeover from Batista's regime to Castro's reign happened so fast, and in the first years was so frail that the new regime needed good intelligence, with new loyal people who've never done this kind of work and needed training. Czechoslovakia was one of the countries that from the beginning began to support diplomatically, economically, and also in the intelligence field, and the Cuban revolution and the Cuban, Cuban regime. So the Czechoslovakia delivered weapons to Cuba, uh, supported the Cuban government economically and also helped Cuba to organize the security apparatus and organize the intelligence and counterintelligence. That was very important for Cuban uh, revolution or for Cuban government because to have uh, the working intelligence and counterintelligence meant to save the revolution. Czechoslovakia's support of the Cuban military, sending over arms, was well known by then. However, what Jan's research shows for the first time is that the country was also providing intelligence training. And in a way, it was helping Cuba start up its intelligence service. The information or intelligence Czechoslovaks provided for the Cubans was in the form of reports. From the 1960 till 1961, Czechoslovakia provided Cuban uh, intelligence with uh, 93 uh, reports, and most of them focusing on the activities of Cuban exiles or the preparation uh, by the U.S. government for military aggressions about the Cuba or the development in Latin America. Was it for free? Yeah, uh, it was for free. Why would they do it? There was uh, several reasons. The first one, so it was the mutual cooperation. So the Cubans provided also the Czechoslovaks with their reports on Latin America, uh, on the United States. They were not so good as uh, the documents that uh, the Czechoslovaks provided to, to Cubans. Uh, but still, it was interesting intelligent stuff for the Czechoslovaks. And the other reasons the Czechoslovakia wanted to support the Cuban revolution, because it was the first uh, kind of uh, this socialist revolution in the Western Hemisphere, in the Latin America. And uh, the Eastern Bloc, including the Soviet Union, thought that um, it could be the first step to spread the socialist revolution to the Latin America. Yes, I think we have to add here that Czechoslovakia also made some money on the arms expert. But some of these supplies, especially in the first years after the revolution, were sent to Cuba for free. So really, the altruistic or ideological motives were very strong here. Only a year after Castro takes the lead, Czechoslovakia is becoming Cuba's BFF, best friend forever. The Cuban revolution relied on the Czechoslovak expertise, Czechoslovak helps more than on any other country. 
Czechoslovakia was instrumental in securing the Cuban Revolution in the first few tough years and in building Cuban security apparatus, helping out with intelligence reports, providing trainings, sending in military equipment and arms. And because it was a small country, all of this was being done under the radar of the Americans. The CIA in the United States knew about uh, weapons, Czechoslovak weapons delivery to Cuba, but it seemed that they didn't have a clue about uh, the intelligence cooperation and that uh, the Czechoslovakia provided Cuban intelligence uh, with um, secret information and uh, spyware equipment training of Cubans intelligence officer. Aya told me that we provide better Latin American reports than do the Afrikanos. This is a quote from a secret file of the STB, the Statny Bezpečnost, which was the much-feared Czechoslovak secret police responsible for intelligence and counterintelligence. The message is written by the head of the intelligence station in Cuba, Lieutenant Bedrich Kubesh, obviously summing up information from an informant and sending it over to the STB headquarters in Prague. Who were the Afrikanos? Yeah, Afrikanos was a Cuban codename for Soviets and Afrikanitos codename for Czechoslovaks. And in these documents, um, the spy chief in Cuba, uh, Betrif Kubesh, informs the headquarters in Prague that the Afrikanitos, we can interpret it as Soviet children or at least uh, as a Soviet little buddies, provided this better intelligence report than Afrikanos. What about the relationship? Was it a close one? Did they have close ties? Yeah, uh, in one document, Czechoslovak intelligence mentioned that um, the Cubans wants to more cooperate with Czechoslovaks than with the Soviets because the Czechoslovakia is a very similar country as Cuba in the terms of number of inhabitants. Uh, so that it's a smaller country and not so big as the Soviets. Also, one of the Czechoslovak defectors, uh, Ladislav Bitum, uh, later in his uh, memoirs, uh, remembered that um, this global thought countries quite naively turned uh, to Czechoslovakia or other uh, Soviet world countries, believing that they were less dangerous uh, than would be uh, the Soviet Union. Were the Soviets happy about this relationship that Czechoslovakia was starting to build and had built uh, with Cubans? Was it okay for them or were they maybe slightly cautious? No, they were no happy. When I returned again to uh, this important meeting of July 1961 and when the Czechoslovak uh, Ministry of Interior, Barak, promised uh, help to Cuban intelligence. So afterwards, when the Soviets were informed, uh, they were no happy and they stopped it. And uh, then the Czechoslovaks uh, was advised to follow the Soviet instruction. So in short, when the Soviets found out that the Cubans were asking for more training from the Czechoslovaks, they advised against it. The Soviets clarified that only Soviets could provide direct intelligence help to Cubans. But these stories continue because in January 1961, the Cubans asked again for Czechoslovak experts to help them build the Ministry of Interior and uh, Cuban intelligence. And Minister of Interior Barak again was thinking about to send this expert delegation to Cuba. And Soviets, uh, again, were not happy about this and wanted to stop them. You're also talking about the fact that maybe Czechoslovakia was not as obedient of an Eastern bloc 
bloc, Soviet bloc country, as we would have thought. The, the general perception is such that whatever Moscow would have required or asked, it would be obeyed. Yeah, but exactly. But it was more complicated. It's this relation between the Soviets and Czechoslovaks. And the Czechoslovaks had their own interests uh, in Cuba or in the Latin America in the field of intelligence. Uh, that is very surprisingly for us. And we didn't expect such uh, the new foundings in the documents. So that, that surprised us. So this is actually new information that the intelligence uh, community maybe did not know. They were ready to disobey the Soviet Union, the mother of the Eastern Bloc countries or the Soviet satellites. Um, in order for what? In order for the intelligence business to start uh, flourishing uh, between uh, Czechoslovakia and Cuba or because they had this brotherly need to help? Or what was Czechoslovakia's aim then? Um. Yeah, that's very good questions. We are not very sure about these Czechoslovak intentions and why. We think that um, it was the ambitions of the Rudolf Barak, uh, Czechoslovak Minister of Interior, that um, maybe he wanted to replace Czechoslovak General Secretary because uh, he was very ambitious. So maybe he wanted to get more power through the Cuban Revolution with the contacts with Cubans. So this guy we're talking about, Rudolf Barak, is the head of the Czechoslovak Interior Ministry and also a member of the Politburo of the Communist Party of Czechoslovakia. It's a very powerful combo, which could have given him a strong sense of entitlement and power and confidence to do almost anything in the country. And so he disobeyed for the second time the Soviet recommendation or instruction to stay away from intelligence assistance to Cuba. And a few months later... He uh, had to resign in June 1961. Uh, it was quite a surprise for everyone. And a few months later, Rudolf Barak was jailed and sentenced for 20 years in prison. This could have been due to the Cuban aid he offered, twice, against the will of the Soviets. But also, it could have just been a big slap on the wrist for trying to knock down and replace the then first secretary of the Communist Party of Czechoslovakia, a big shot, by the name of Antonin Novotny. The official sentence in 1962 read treason. However, Barak denied it or claimed he was innocent many times. The one big question that comes up when listening to all of this is what were the Soviets afraid of? Were they afraid that Czechoslovakia was poaching their business with the Cubans? or So was it about money or was it about potentially influence being taken away from Soviets? Yeah, it was definitely about the influence. So Soviets were happy when the other satellites were helping them to provide some aid or support of liberation movements in the global thought and, and some newly established states. But it has the support, has its limits that the, the Soviets satellites and Eastern Bloc countries could not cross. And we think that in this case of Cuba and this intelligence cooperation, the Czechoslovakia crossed uh, these borders. Uh, that this was uh, too much for the Soviets. Yes, there was fighting not only across enemy lines, but also within the Cold War alliances. But not to worry, in no time did the Soviets get their ducks in a row again. So we're talking about a very flourishing relationship between Czechoslovakia and Cuba. 
1961, the Soviets realized how much power Czechoslovaks are getting over Cuba's intelligence and military, and they showed their anger. However, the final nail in the coffin comes in April of 1961. It is the Bay of Pigs. An operation against Castro and the revolution organized by Cuban exiles and covertly financed and directed by the US. Castro survives the invasion, but by sheer luck, as they suffered an almost disastrous lack of intelligence. Intelligence that should have come from the Czechoslovaks, but didn't. Um, Cubans were asking for intelligence information uh, about the whole U.S. operation, about the next steps, and etc. And the Czechoslovakia didn't have this or uh, was not able to collect this information. We also didn't find in the archive any documents that uh, Czechoslovakia would have information about this uh, Bay of Big invasion. Uh, but it seems that the Soviets uh, did, that the Soviets warned the Cubans about this um, U.S.-led intervention. And uh, we think that uh, after the Bay of Pigs, the Cubans began to incline more to the Soviets and more rely on the Soviet intelligence. As you write in your article, in less than a week, Raul Castro asked the Soviets for a cadre of intelligence specialists, and the Soviets did respond quickly. They sent over eight agents whom the Cubans allowed to take control of seven departments. So, in fact, Soviets had taken over the sort of principal role in Cuban intelligence. And is this where the Czechoslovak-Cuban relationship stops? Uh, Czechoslovakia was still providing kind of assistance to Cuba, but it was uh, already uh, limited, limited to exchange of information and some uh, limited training uh, of uh, Cuban officers. Czechoslovakia, or the Afrikanitos, no longer played a central role in Cuba's intelligence training, but went into the back office, mainly providing Latin American revolutionaries with false travel documents. In this way, uh, the Cuba wanted to hide that uh, these people were trained in Cuba for the revolutionary movement in the Latin America. So after the training, they traveled to Prague, but they got the false documents, the false passport in Prague, and they returned to Latin American countries. And so this is how, in the course of just one year, a country that Cuba once relied on the most turns into a technical transfer station for revolutionaries. The fact that Czechoslovakia had this brief intelligence affair with Cuba is very new information to the non-Czech or non-Slovak-speaking world. Czech historians found out about these files detailing the cooperation a few years back. However, no one until Cobra and Waters really put all the dots together to uncover the disobedience Czechoslovakia showed towards the Soviets in wanting to stay close to Cuba. Even in the famous book like um, The World Was Going Our Way, the KGB and the Beatles, or The Third World, uh, written by the Christopher Andrew and the Vasily Mitrokhin. Uh, there is no mention about this cooperation. Uh, both authors informed about uh, this 1960 Cuban uh, mission trip to Prague, but um, they thought that um, they just enjoy, the Cubans enjoy, uh, the beauty of Prague uh, and um, the local girls, that it was uh, just for fun, this visit of Prague. And uh, now we found out that um, it was much more important meeting. 
how surprising was it for you to start reading things that you've never read in intelligence books before? Uh, I personally was very surprised because reading these documents surprised me how the Czechoslovakia repeatedly wanted to send the expert delegation to Cuba. And I was educated um, that um, the Czechoslovakia always follows uh, Soviet instruction, especially in the international area. And it surprised me that uh, in the issue such as the Cuban revolution, that was very sensitive and was it a priority for the Soviet foreign policy, the Czechoslovakia acted uh, so independently. Why do you think it is important to be talking about the Global South or, in fact, the Third World during the Cold War era? From the perspective of Czechoslovakia, it's uh, very important because it's not just put the new stories to this Cold War narrative and uh, unveils this uh, new links uh, between the Eastern Bloc and uh, the global thought. But uh, these stories are also important for the history of my country. Czech and Czechoslovak historiography didn't work with any assumptions that uh, Czechoslovakia was so active in uh, supporting the third world countries or any revolutionary movements. This kind of research is not uh, just about this uh, big Cold War story, but also about uh, the history of uh, my country. That was Dr. Jan Koura of the Charles University in Prague. You can read his article, co-authored by Robert Anthony Waters, in the special issue of the International History Review. Under the title, Africanos versus Africanitos, the Soviet-Czechoslovak competition to protect the Cuban revolution. That was episode four of the Secret Struggle for Cold War Dominance podcast. If you like our podcast and want more of it, please go to any of the popular podcasting platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and find us there under the name The Secret Struggle for Cold War Dominance and hit the plus, subscribe or add button so that you get the latest episode of the podcast as soon as it's out. We have another episode coming out in two weeks' time, so be on the watch out for it. Or in the meantime, check out our Twitter, at CWDominance, or our Facebook page, under the name The Secret Struggle for Cold War Dominance. We're publishing a lot of extra material that doesn't make it into the podcast, so don't miss it. This podcast is created and produced independently. Interviews, editing, sound design, hosting, and all the rest of it is done by me, Katarina Urban Richterova. The idea for the podcast was conceived by Dr. Daniela Richterova and myself. And we would like to thank the Warwick Institute of Advanced Study for their contribution to the project. If you have any questions or comments or feedback, please email us at coldworddominance at gmail.com. And if you like the podcast or this episode, share it or rate us so that more people can find out about the hidden stories of the Cold War. Before we go, a huge, huge thank you to Dr. Jan Koura for finding the time to talk to me. And of course, thank you for listening to The Secret Struggle for Cold War Dominance podcast. And to lighten things up a bit at the end, this is what happens when history meets present-day technology.
I check it in the Google Maps and still um, the restaurants uh, where the Czechoslovak intelligence officers uh, were meeting uh, with the representatives of the Cuban intelligence are at the same place as in the early 1960s. So maybe they still have the same chairs and when you go to Havana, you can find it out and sit on them. Would that be interesting for uh, for a researcher like you? When we wrote about this whole story, um, I was uh, deeply involved in the analysis of uh, these uh, thousands of documents. So it could be the reward for me to go to Cuba and to sit in the same chair as uh, the Czechoslovak's intelligence officer did in the early 1960s.